Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are super excited to be with you this week because we get to discuss a BYU victory over Cincinnati. Make sure you're hanging out with us as we discuss all of week five of college football, the Cincy recap, and we start looking forward to how BYU can win the bye and week six of college football. There's lots of football to talk about. We are getting close to halfway through this college football season, so make sure you are buckling in and preparing for it with us here on the Royal Strong and True Podcast. If you're enjoying the episode, make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you may be listening to this on. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at LoyalToRoyalPod for lots of fun and interactive content and for opportunities to submit questions like you will hear later in the show. We love you guys. Let's get to it. Let's boo. Go Tigers. That field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over here! Let's back this ruler. Yeah! Let's go wild. Let's man. go, baby. Let's go. And welcome back, peoples of the universe of the multiverse. Welcome, welcome. Bienvenidos a la podcast. I don't know how to say podcast. I don't know how to say podcast in Spanish, but probably like that. Podcast? Why not podcast? Podcast. Podcasto, as people would uh, like to say. I think Um, we're saying it more Russian. We're like podcast. Like podcast. All right. uh, New bit from here on out. We welcome in with a different accent every week moving forward. Oh, that won't get us canceled. (laughs) No way. Um, But let's start off. We got some housekeeping. we, 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 we talk a lot of football on this podcast, but we do have to shout out some other things that are going on, not in the college football sphere. So, Justin, why don't you start that off for us? Yeah, we're not going to talk about college football, but we will talk about college football. I, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy about that transition there. That uh, was B- much better. <laughs> women's soccer stays pat at number six in the nation this week after a one-to-one tie versus Cincy at home. Um, I didn't do a ton of research on this, but I'm pretty sure that this was a classic BYU outshot Cincy by like 20, but just the balls didn't fall. Um, they I, scored on a penalty or we did, we scored on a penalty. That was our only goal. Yes. And it was a kind of lucky penalty as well. And I think you're exactly right. I'm looking up the stats right now, but I'm pretty sure it was 26 to six on the shots. So, oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Classic BYU. It happens. BYU then followed that up, uh, I believe, yesterday with a 7-0 to molly whopping of Iowa State in Ames. <laughs> Fun stat from Greg Rebell on this. At this game, when BYU traveled to play Iowa State, Iowa State's attendance numbers were more than double any of its <laughs> other games. Cougar Nash showing up. That's, that's ridiculous. I didn't know there were a ton of... BYU fans out there in Ames, Iowa, but hey, cool. <laughs> Apparently there are. Um, yes, the shot total was 26 to 6. Shout out Justin, nailing it on the head. <laughs> I, I did you you nailed it. 
Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just weird. This team is really weird. Um, at home, they have tied TCU 3-3, and they have beaten Cincy, or they've tied Cincy 1-1. So two draws, right? And not a whole ton of goals scored. I mean, four goals across two games is not what this BYU team is accustomed to. Um, however, on the road in the Big 12, BYU has a goal differential of plus 12. 14 to 2. I what? Excuse I've, me? I've got a theory. I've got a theory. I let's hear it. Let's hear it. There was a story that came out about Riley Leonard, the Duke quarterback. Okay. Yeah. That before every single game, his mom texts him the words, You suck. True. Awesome, right? Puts a chip on his shoulder. Amazing mother. Amazing mother there. Love that. <laughs> Maybe that's just the BYU effect, right? Our home field advantage is so good that they just like they pay so much attention to the fans, to what's going on in the stadium. They get distracted. They're they're away from the actual footy, you know. But when they play in a place where the people hate them, where the people are cheering against them, it puts that chip on their shoulder and they just play well. So my theory now is or my proposal right byu should tank oh i okay tank (laughs) but only enough to where they are the lowest possible seed Mm. in the women's soccer tournament so that they always always are underdogs so that they win every game by like five goals i like that i thought you were gonna go with the uh the home crowd should boo them as they run out of the tunnel Dude, yes, as well. As, as well. well. <laughs> uh, BYU women's soccer is currently one, two, three, four, fifth in the Big 12. Yes, you heard that correctly. Fifth, uh, 3 0 oh, 2. Uh, win, loss, tie, uh, of course, as Americans do it. Um, yeah, and this week we welcome in, I think it's on Thursday night. If I'm not mistaken, we welcome in the number one team in the Big 12 conference, Texas Tech. They are undefeated. They are 5-0 and in conference. They are 11-0-2 overall. They are very, very good. Uh, so that's going to be a huge match. So if you can, make it to the game. Cheer loud. Boo the team as they're running out. Um, and uh-huh. hopefully we will get a non-draw result. That is possible. Yeah, you, know, you hate to see the fact that we're playing them at home. You'd really hope we'd get them away at this point. <laughs> Which is not what you'd think you'd be saying, but hey, that's BYU women's soccer right there. That really is. Let's talk about a BYU women's team that struggles on the road, or at least struggled on the road. BYU women's volleyball drops in the rankings an abysmal fall to number 10 in the nation. Can you believe that? Oh, Oh, my goodness. That's terrible. After two straight losses in Austin to Texas, one to three. Now, Texas is the reigning national champs. They're pretty stinking good. Um, Interesting note is that BYU won the first set in both of these matches. They started off really hot and then eventually just kind of trickled down and then were less competitive as the, as the match went on, which is, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know what to really think of this BYU team. I guess we're really young, uh, kind of like we have Aaron Livingston, uh, we have Whitney Bauer, some really good uh, seasoned vets, but everybody else around them is really young. And I guess we are kind of playing like it, right? We don't know how to maintain that tenacity and that aggressiveness through a full match if we're not just going to sweep people. Yeah, I don't know. Like, 
if I'm not mistaken, the first game, right? So the first time we played them on whatever it was, I think it was Thursday. Um, that first set, we won like 25 to nine or something like that. Like we absolutely blew them out in the first set. 25 to 13, yeah. 25 to 13. That is not close at all. And then we just go and get swept the rest of the, the rest of the game, rest of the match. A gentle not what you want to see, but I mean, like like Jared was saying, he like he covers women's volleyball a lot more than I do. He knows a lot about it. And he, I don't know, it's a young team. You're in Austin. It can be tough to play there twice in a row. But the fact that we hung in those games, and it's not like in those three straight match losses. Um, it's not like they were blowouts, right? We were keeping it close the whole entire time. We showed that we can fight with this team, and I still think that we will challenge Texas for the Big 12 championship come, um, I don't know, when do they play their conference championships? November? Uh, yeah, November, December. I think the NCAA tournament starts December 1st. Okay, so, so November. The conference tournament is probably the week before that. Yeah, um, they're an interesting team. They're obviously very good, uh, but they have a lot of learning to do. Uh, head coach Heather Olmstead always says, I want this team to struggle. I want them to be put in the furnace because she hates just everybody patting them on the back and telling them how good they are. They're not, they're not at that point yet. And the Texas game exposed them uh, up next. They get Oklahoma, which is another good team. And then th- they will come home to face Texas tech. Who's no like walkover, but uh, is not quite as good as Texas. Um, so shout out to the women They're They're putting, they're putting in the work. They're getting into Big 12 play. We expected this. Uh, let's see if they can be resilient and come back and, like you said, challenge for the Big 12 title. I think it's funny that we're talking about these two teams and how disappointingly they've been playing lately, but they're both <laughs> ranked in the top 10. They're both top 10 teams in the nation. Yep. So <laughs> that's the bar that's been set. The bar is very high. Very high. <laughs> bar is very, very high. This is like a, like a pole vaulting. Class, far set high. Speaking of pole vaulting, I'm sure track and field's doing great. We'll get back to you with that on next week, this episode, because I don't After have that a little more research. My head. <laughs> um, we do have to talk about some Cougars in the pros. Uh, let's start off with the big story: Taylor Swift. YouTube TV was doing the heart hands uh, thing on the slider. The Voice did this whole intro to Sunday Night Football. It was more about Taylor Swift than it was about anything. But then in comes our boy, Zach Wilson, absolutely slicing and dicing, carves up the Chiefs, plays like awesome. Like he legitimately played amazing. He looked competent. He looked like he was playing at BYU. Uh, it was awesome to see, really. He outdueled Patrick Mahomes. He's like the first ever quarterback to have a higher completion percentage, more passing yards, more touchdowns, and less interceptions than Patrick Mahomes like ever right i i can't remember Mm -hmm. the exact stat but yeah college and pro is the first one to do it against him that's wild wild um especially consider that he texas tech played you know in the glory days of the no defense big 12 with baker mayfield and everything you know uh but my question is is zach wilson now good or was this a fluke Is, is this sustainable moving forward I don't know. This kind of felt like the first game where they let Zach Wilson play quarterback instead of play game <laughs> manager. Like Zach Wilson playing quarterback recently has been like Aaron Roderick trotting out Jacob Conover <laughs> in the ball game. You know, like 
go on, run a couple plays, but we're not actually going to let you throw the ball, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of deal. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think Zach Wilson's good. Like, those back shoulder balls that he was throwing were really, really good. Awesome. And Robert Sela saying this is what they've been seeing in practice. Like, this is what they've been expecting from him. So it's crazy to me that it's taken him this long to kind of figure it out. But maybe this is the first time he's playing loose and letting it rip. If he can play like this the rest of the year, I think he's he's putting himself in a pretty dang good position. He really is. Like, the Jets are back in playoff contention if he's going to play like this. Or even, you know, close to that level. Um, that game was really frustrating because of the way it ended. Um, it, but for Zach, like, it was perfect. We don't really care about the Jets because they're a dumpster fire of an organization. But for Zach Wilson, that's exactly what he needed because that fumble, I the fumble was just the classic Jets, right? Like, that's just injected yeah. into you when you walk through the door, right? The butt fumble. All the stupid shiz that the Jets do every year. Um, like, that was bound to happen. But that kind of keeps Zach Wilson's head on, like, hey, I'm not all that. I'm not swaggy Zach walking around, you know, hunting milfs and blah, blah, blah. Um, it kind of keeps his head on and he took it, he took it on himself. He forgot the phrase, Jared. What phrase? Throwing bombs and banging moms. Exactly. See, Zach's not gonna walk around with his banging mom throwing bombs and banging mom shirt. Um, it kind of kept him humble and he took accountability for that. Uh, so I'm excited to see if he can keep that moving. Uh they play the Broncos next week, who are horrid. So I'm excited to see Zach. Uh, play against them. Hopefully, he can keep this up. Yeah, their Broncos are an absolute dumpster fire, but came back from like a twenty-one point deficit against like the Raiders or something. I don't remember. I don't, uh, this the is Bears. the NFL. Yeah, the Bears. Yeah, this is the NFL. We're getting way too much into this. We don't need to be talking about That's all true. this other stuff. Let's talk about Puka Nakua, oh. who is a freshman phenom in the pros, having an incredible rookie season, is on pace to break the receptions and yardage records for a rookie. Absolutely amazing. And had his first NFL touchdown, a walk-off game winner in overtime. So shout out Puka Nakua, man. He is an absolute baller. Like that guy is insane. Um, I mean, we knew it, right? It's just a matter of keeping him healthy. And if he can stay healthy, like he's going to break all the records. Like he's going to lead the NFL in freaking receiving yards this year. I swear. Like he is that good. He's the header of the NFL's Twitter I don't know if it still is, but it was before it was Taylor Swift. Um, he's he's a baller. Puka Nakua, he's not just like, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is some BYU guy that's like, you know, doing some stuff. No, he is certified good. Stamp it, send it, mark it, eat it for breakfast. Puka Nakua is a household name now. Yeah, how in the heck did he fall to the fifth round? <laughs> I feel like anybody who watched West Coast football, so not a single NFL scout, not nope. one. Zero, 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 zero. Um, anybody who watched BYU play a game at 8.15 p.m., again, not a single NFL scout, knew Puka was going to be special and knew that Puka was going to be like this in the NFL. He might not be the fastest guy, but dang, is he a good route runner? He has good hands. He's aggressive, goes to the football, and that's exactly what Puka's shown, game in and game out. He's gritty. There was a, there was a play. I don't know if you saw this, Jared, but they did like a little – Inside run play, right off the tackle, Puka's lined up at a wing, and it's kind of like a reverse pull thing. Like, instead okay. of 
pulling from the other side. He kind of just like pulled into the gap and he decked a linebacker. Oh, he decked a freaking linebacker, cleared <laughs> out the hole and the running back ran for 17 yards. Like this is a guy that just plays gritty football, loves to be there, FaceTimes his mom after the game, <laughs> after his game winning touchdown. Didn't FaceTime his girlfriend, FaceTimes his mom. <laughs> So, yeah, we love Puka. He's a great guy. Shout out to Mr. Nakua, the best, maybe, the, as Jeff Hansen is claiming from 24-7 Sports, of the Nakua brothers. Ooh, uh, I think I would say that, too. I'm sorry to Samson, Kai, Izzy. Um, Puka is a monster. He is very good, and I'm very excited to see him uh, continue to shine. Uh, we, my dad, fun fact, uh, my dad and I, uh, and my brother, we all went to dinner or to lunch, um, one of these past weeks. And we're talking about our trip to Texas to go watch the BYU Texas game. And while we're sitting there, we're talking about like, Oh, other games we could go see. Like, is there a Thursday or Friday night game? Like does Baylor play, uh, maybe go to a high school game. And my dad's like, Oh, what if like the Cowboys or the Texans or something play on Sunday? And then we look at it, the Cowboys play. In the morning against the Rams, the day after BYU plays Texas. And so there my dad's we go. Like, done. Bought it. We're going. We're going to go see Puka in Dallas. I'm so excited. Uh, obviously, decked in full BYU gear, no matter win or loss, right? But uh, yeah, Puka, he is him. Uh, and I'm very excited for him. Jared, see if you can get a press pass from our podcast and just <laughs> go down onto the field and make sure you interview Puka Nakua for us after the game. Oh yeah, I will. I'll I'll bring you up on Zoom. We'll just do like a little Instagram, like we did after the <laughs> UTFL games. <laughs> yep, exactly. Perfect. All uh, right. Well, moving on from that, yeah, we have enough, a mailbag question to address, which is exciting. I love it. We love mailbag questions. If you ever have a question that you want us to discuss here on the podcast, DM us, text us, leave it in a review of the episode. Do anything you'd like. We will find it and we will answer it. Absolutely. Uh, this mailbag question says the following. Do you guys think college football should adopt the NFL rule allowing one player on offense and one player on defense to have the green dot on the back of the helmet that signifies they are wearing a headset in their helmet? This is from Matt, our friend, friend of the program, dear friend. Justin, friend what do you think? Do you think they should allow one player on each side of the ball to have a headset like that so that they can hear the play calls and, and, and communicate with the coach and stuff like that. My first thought is, well, I have two thoughts immediately. There is no way that somebody in the SEC isn't already doing this illegally. <laughs> first thought. Definitely. Second thought, would it even matter for BYU? Because A-Rod <laughs> then thinks he has that much extra time to get the play call in. And even with the headset, he still won't get the play call in until 10 seconds left on the play call. <laughs> yeah, instead of instead of us looking over to the sideline for, like, the hand motions at 10 seconds, we're going to be like, oh, uh, uh, wait, everybody, with five seconds. Uh, uh, we're going to run the ball to the left instead of the right. Uh, <laughs> and then um, we're going to audible it at the line with three seconds left on the play clock and call a timeout with 12 minutes left in the first quarter. Yes, coming out of a media timeout. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't really care one way or the other. Like, I think, I think that is cool. As a kid, I always loved like the signs and stuff that they hold up. 
um, and like the the hand signals and stuff. I think that's really cool. So that's what you know. It's just like that's ah, kind of a fun thing. But I get like why you would want it, right? Streamline communication. You could kind of point out things to them, right? Like, hey, their safeties are are cheating up stuff like that. Um, but I just don't think it's feasible in college football because there are so many, like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, the SEC, the Big Ten, right? Texas, so like the big teams, they could definitely afford that, right? But the small, like you think of the MAC and the Sun Belt and the Conference USA, Mountain West, uh, AAC, like these conferences are not going to be able to afford that, especially with the maintenance and the troubleshoot. Like that's just a whole bag of worms that I don't think they're going to be able to open. If we do see like a P5 separation, then I could see it happening there. But it's not like something that the conference is going to be like, oh, our con- our the teams in our conference can use this, you know, and then – if you don't want to do it, you can't, right? It's going to be a league-wide thing, and I just don't think that's feasible with 133 teams and 10 conferences. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not really feasible, but I'm, dude, part of the beauty of college football, right, is the fact that you do have to communicate with all these signs and these hand motions. That is when we get clips like we did this past week of the Oregon <laughs> State head coach grabbing his chest and squeezing it to signify milk the clock. Like, that was absolutely incredible. That is not something I ever want to lose out on. That is part (laughs) of the beauty of college football. Just for that reason alone, I would say no green dot. I I don't know. It's just – I mean, does it change the integrity of the game? Really not. Like, you're still getting plays in one way or the other. Like you're saying, maybe you could adjust mid-drive and say, hey, the safeties are doing this, whereas you might have to wait to – be on the sideline to make that adjustment if you don't have that, or maybe you have the you do that little thing where the quarterback runs to the sideline to get the play call. Mm-hmm. The coach can talk to them. I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me if they go to it. Fine. If they don't, they don't. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I'd rather keep it the same, but it doesn't really matter to me. So another thing, right? Th- this mailbag question came from our good friend Matt, the long snapper. The long snapper. The long snapper. Y'all. Um, I'd, I'd like to share something from a conversation that I had with him just a little bit ago. Okay. Um, I was Googling something, uh, just playing around with um, one of our, one of Jared and I's friends, Ilario. And uh, we were talking about BYU tattoos, right? Mm-hmm. And I Googled BYU tattoos just to find something to make into a meme. Right? Okay. And when I did, Matt's picture showed up. What? There's a whole article written about a huge, like, cartoon tattoo he got on his left shoulder of a long snapper. What? That says long snapper under it. Like, in, like, good letters, like, big letters. And in, like, cursive letters on the top. What? It says the, it has the three key words to long snapping. Which I, I forget it's it's balance control something I, I forget exactly what, what the it is. heck, but it's awesome. Are you did you find it, Jared? Are you looking for it? I I'm what did you look up? Just BYU tattoo. Just Google BYU tattoo right oh. now, and it's the second result, dude. It's all of the results. Oh Do my you goodness. see it? It's yeah. like draw. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, Google it right now. There's a, there plenty of articles were written about this. He got this tattoo while he was at in high school coming to BYU. Dude, I just thought it was only, incredible. Not only is he long snapping it, he is long snapping it over like Laie Hawaii, like 
the most beautiful mountain <laughs> tropics backdrop with a waterfall. He's like actually, sitting in yeah. field goal posts. It's actually supposed to be the background of Temecula Valley High School. So I can definitely see that. It looks very beautiful there. <laughs> anyway, so perfect. If you don't know about the tattoo, make sure you look it up. Matt is probably listening to this, shaking his head right now, saying, why did you? Why are you pointing all these people to the – but he became famous for it, right? A bunch of articles were written about it. There's a Sports Illustrated article about it. Yeah, there's a Sports Illustrated article. Holy I just want to read a couple quotes from the Deseret article that I think <laughs> are just absolutely perfect. Okay. okay. And these are going to be some of my new mantras. This is a quote from the Deseret, Art- the Deseret News author. He says, quote, well, maybe that's the kind of perspective a guy gets when he spends hours looking at life upside down and between his knees. <laughs> awesome quote. All-time quote. And the next one is something that we have to remember. This is a quote from um, his dad, according to the article. Quote, you can't have a game-winning field goal without a game-winning snap. Ooh, that is money. That is money. Let's talk to Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles about that one. (laughs) So I, I don't know. I just wanted to share that. Like I said, Matt's probably shaking his head, but I thought that was really interesting, pretty funny. And I think some of our sicko listeners are going to very much enjoy that. So that that is beautiful. That is absolutely incredible. I uh we should frame this up and 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 put it somewhere or like make it the cover art of our podcast. Uh that's incredible. <laughs> Best tattoo I've ever seen. Uh, how about this for a transition? Speaking of BYU football, Whoa. my better ones, guys. Um, we move on. BYU played a game. It was on a Friday night. It was before conference, not during conference, uh, like some team up in Ogden. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. Uh, let's just dive right into it. The first half was probably one of the worst halves of football I have ever seen from BYU. Um, the second <laughs> half was electric and amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, take it away, Justin. What were your thoughts on this one? I mean, I feel like let, let's just start out with the first half, right? Right. We got to. We start out with the first half. The first quarter is boring other than the fact that Emory Jones decided to throw the ball to a ghost who had tripped and fallen. And it just happened to land perfectly in Jacob Robinson's hands who had broken off from his own guy in man-to-man coverage and took it back for six. Yep. He's not supposed to do that, by the way. But he did. And it's a really good thing if you pull it off, right? If Emory Jones was a half-competent quarterback, he looks to the left side of the field and sees a guy wide open crossing 15 yards down the field, right? And he probably gets like a 40-yard gain. But Emory Jones, being Emory Jones, threw threw the ball to a wide receiver that had already – it wasn't that he threw it and then the receiver slipped. The receiver was already on the ground <laughs> by the time he threw the ball, and it just happened to go right in the Jacob Robinson's hands who took it back for six. Yep. Jacob Robinson, I mean, shout out to him. Amazing play. He was fast. He ran into the end zone. Uh, he had like 30 yards on the closest guy, but he still made it. Uh, so we have to shout that out. And then poor Emory Jones, dude. This guy sucks at throwing the football. Like, <laughs> I so swear. Bad. He was born to be a running back, and then somebody in his life told him he could play quarterback, and then that's what he's been doing. Like, 
He uh, is a great runner. They Those quarterback draws that they would run all the time or the pocket would collapse and we didn't have anybody in the middle for some reason. He just run and he was elect like he was a very good runner. He picked up a ton of yards on the ground. Um, but that was a horrid, terrible throw. And he had a lot of really bad throws in that game. Um, but yeah, I just I kind of felt bad for him by the end because it's like if Cincinnati had even a half decent quarterback, they're right in this game, probably winning it. But shout out to BYU defense, like we put pressure on him. Uh, we confused them. We brought different pressures uh, until the very last drive of the game. We played pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we played as well as we could have, given the fact that in our first half, our offenses, our offense wasn't taking more than 42 seconds per drive. <laughs> our offense was abysmal. At one point, what, Keaton Slovis was like two of eight for like two yards or something like that. One of five for two yards, but yes. One of five for two <laughs> yards. Like, and that was in the second quarter, wasn't it? Yes. Like, yes. We had two yards terrible. passing until the final drive of the first half. It was terrible. It was so freaking bad. And then uh, my wife and I are getting frustrated. We're sitting next to Jared and his wife. But we say, you know, we're getting hungry. Let's leave and let's go get a hot dog. So we go out. There's a concession stand right under our portal, which is great. We go and get a hot dog, and all of a sudden, we hear cheering. BYU had the ball for with, like, one minute left. We're like, okay, whatever. But we go out there to watch. Then Cincy's defense has the most abominable brain fart I've ever seen in my entire life, leaving guys wide open, and then leaving – who was it? Was it Darius Lassiter that yep. caught that? Yeah, Darius Lassiter wide open in the corner – on a ball where Keaton Slovis almost backed him out of bounds, but still got it to him. And we scored a touchdown before the half ended to take the lead going into the halftime. That was absolutely crazy. Crazy. It it was insane. Uh, given our, our drives previous were eight plays, punt. Uh, three and out, three and out, three and out. Um, and then three plays, 82 yards in 30 seconds for a touchdown. Like, what the <laughs> frick? <laughs> I... Uh, before the before the uh before we got like after cincinnati because they scored a field goal um and they were up 10 to 7 uh they they kicked that and i was like just put rico out there our best chance is to punt it away and hope emory jones tries to throw the ball um (laughs) and then all of a sudden keaton slovis uh passed the keanu hill for 23 yards chase roberts for 24 yards darius lasser for 22 yards like i i don't know what it was but then we kept it up in the second half we came out of the gate and scored touchdown, touchdown, uh, punt, touchdown. So, like, I going literally over as worse as you could for the first 29 and a half minutes and then coming out in the second half and just bam, 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 scoring 28 points like that, like, that made me happy. That made me happy to see that our offense finally got some sort of rhythm, some sort of explosiveness factor as well. And found the end zone more than like once a half, which was awesome. Something we hadn't seen in a while. Like it was very impressive that our offense came out and did that because I was not expecting it in the, in the slightest. No, man. And like to add to your point, Keaton Slovis looked like absolute booty butt garbage in the first half. Not, not terrible, but like, it was I mean, bad. he threw five until, passes until that final drive. And then I was right. like, okay, like that wasn't the best throw to, Darius last year, but he kind of just floated it up there. You don't want to miss that pass or whatever. That's like a pretty standard thing for quarterbacks to do. Right. It was completed. That's all that mattered. 
And then all of a sudden, Keaton Slovis comes out in the second half playing like God's gift to football. <laughs> like, like he was personal. Like somebody came down and like touched his shoulder. Like an a football angel touched his shoulder, touched his football reading mind. And Keaton <laughs> Slovis just came out playing like an absolute beast. That's insane. Like he had that those four incompletions in early, like early in the game. And he had some incompletions in the second half, but he was throwing the ball for like chunks at a time, 30 yards, 40 yards. We had multiple touchdown passes of over 30 yards. Like when was the last time that we saw something like that from this BYU offense? Honestly. Yeah. Not in a long time, not in a very long time, probably since Zach Zach Wilson, Wilson. since he was beating the crap out of some belt teams that hadn't seen a grass football field in six months. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> um Keaton Slovis finished 13 to 24 for 223 and two touchdowns. No interceptions. Love that. Um if you take away his first, you know, five drives where he went one for five with two yards, he was averaging 12 yards a a pass attempt, not 12 yards per completion, 12 yards per attempt with two touchdowns. Like that is bonkers numbers. That is super super good. Um Keaton Slovis has made some incredible throws uh, this year at BYU, but I don't think there was any throw more incredible than the throw that was supposed to go to Keanu Hill, but ended up in Chase Roberts' hands for like a 50-yard touchdown. Keaton drops back, absolutely jukes the nuts out of a defender who there was a miscommunication with the O-line and there was a free rusher, and Keaton's like, oh, well, like I could change the protection, but I'm just going to take it. I could make a miss. Makes him miss. The guy grabs his face mask, pulls it, bloodies Keaton's nose, but he just keeps his head straight, whips it back, sidesteps the guy, launches a bomb to Kibo, overthrew it. But Chase Roberts was there helping the guy, helping a brother out. HBO, as our man RG3 would say, catches uh-huh. it, sprints 50 yards into the end zone. That kind of that, like that kind of moxie and presence and the ability to make a big time throw. Like after that, even just near his receiver, like Keaton is the guy, dude. He's really good. Yeah, and there's plenty of people out there that have been saying crap like, oh, he didn't mean it to go to Chase Roberts, so that throw doesn't count, whatever. No, he juked a guy out of his pants, like literally like Euro stepped him backwards. Euro stepped him going backwards. It was insane. Swim moves the guy basically too. The thing is, as a quarterback, right? A good quarterback is only great if his receivers are good as well. You can have a great quarterback that hits the receiver in the hands every single time and the receiver drops it and the quarterback's numbers go down as a result. Zach Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. As a quarterback, your job is to put the ball in a catchable position for any of your receivers. That's what he did on that play. He threw the ball in an area where the wide receivers were going to be. Sure, he overthrows Keanu, but he has good chemistry with Chase Roberts, who's reading the play, comes back to the ball, and is in the perfect spot for it. Yeah. Is it intentional? No. Is it on accident, though? No. I. It's kind of like luck isn't about dumb luck, right? Luck is putting yourself in the position to make plays. It's when preparation he- meets opportunity. Exactly. Like President Rabaza always said, right? <laughs> Information leads to revelation. Mm-hmm. Preparation 
leads to success. And that was just something that it happened, right? They put, they put themselves in the right positions. The dominoes fell when you're living right on and off the field. <laughs> these are the things that happen. Clean living. <laughs> Let me tell you about clean living. Um, but that play is just as much about Chase Roberts. I'm glad you mentioned that because Chase Roberts, he read that Keaton was under pressure, broke off his route a little bit, came back to Keaton to help him out, caught it, and then outran everybody. Dead sprint. Um, I'm glad that we have somebody with that kind of speed. We know Cody has that kind of speed, but who knows what universe he's in? Who knows, like, where in the world he is? Um, but, yeah, uh, the defense, I was really happy with most of the game. I Eddie Heckard was, was injured, and he was getting burnt a lot. You could yeah. tell he was limping off the sideline. He'd come back on, get burnt. Like he still played pretty well, but it, it was obvious he was not 100. Um, percent I was disgusted with the final drive of the game. Cincinnati goes all the way down the field. Uh, we're up 15, but there were three and a half minutes left. Like the game is not over. It's only a two score game, and we had like three guys that I'd never heard of in playing linebacker. We just sat back. We played Tuyaki defense, right? Just let them pick them apart. Let them pick us apart all the way down the field um, and score a touchdown. I was really not happy. I was like, this is a Kalani, you know, the culture issue, uh, you know, where Kalani's just fine to beat people, right? We Like we always say, he never likes to blow people out. However, he did come out in the post-game press conference and kind of like lay into the defense. He was like, I was super, super unhappy with the way we finished. He didn't call out his players or his defensive coordinator kind of just was like, that is unacceptable. We cannot have that happen again. So I, I hope he's saying that same thing in the locker room uh, because I was not happy with that. And it was good for me to hear that Kalani was not happy with it either. Uh, because if we do that against a better opponent, we're going to lose the football game. Yeah, the game's not over. And I don't, yeah. But we won. And that's all you can ask for, right? We did we win. won the football game. It's hard to win a football game. You mentioned some um, no-name linebackers. I wouldn't necessarily call this guy a no-name, but we did have a freshman stepping in at linebacker. Harrison Taggart stepping in for Ben Bywater. And, man, did this guy play well. He was flying to the ball. He was tied for the second most tackles on the team. Ten total tackles, four of those being solo. Like, Shout out to Harrison Taggart, man. This dude played great. Redshirt freshman, you know, coming out of, from Oregon, didn't really play at all over there. Um, he, I, I remember there was one play where we're like, eh, he's a freshman, right? He took like a bad angle on a run up the middle. But other than that, like he was very solid. Like if we have him in there uh, like all season, I'm fine. Like Ben Bywater is awesome. And Harrison Taggart is not quite at that level yet. But if we have Harrison Taggart in there, I, I, that is not a concern for me. I am not worried about that. I was very impressed by Harrison Taggart. He's going to be awesome in the future. Another freshman that we should talk about as being part of the future, LJ Martin. Man, did he have himself a game. He found his way in the running game. 16 carries for 66 yards, averaging 4.1 yards per carry, which this season is, like, godlike. Um (laughs) And two touchdowns, one of them being one where he bounced off a couple guys and ripped off a 29-yard touchdown run on third and nine. I will say he's not as big, but he kind of reminded me of Jamal Williams with that touchdown run, the way he was like running aggressively and violently, guys' arm tackles just flapping off of him. Uh, It it was impressive. (laughs) He is awesome. He is the truth, bro. 
forget about Donald Trump's like Twitter knockoff. LJ Martin is the truth. <laughs> oh man. Uh, we still didn't eclipse a hundred rushing yards. Nope. Um, which is sad. If you take um, away the yards lost on the snap over the head, which mm-hmm. was so stupid. That was very frustrating. We need Matt back in there to do some snapping. Um, yep. We had 99 yards, which is close. Averaging out to 3.8 yards per rush if you don't count in uh, those, you know, the bad snaps. So that's yeah. better. We saw an improvement. You know, we saw Miles Davis get in there. He was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Like his. Yeah. Outside, shout out to Miles Davis coming back awesome. out of nowhere. Yeah, I I love to see that, especially with those fly sweeps. He doesn't run all the way back like he did against Coastal Carolina, if you remember that right. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. m- much better. Uh, Raider Demuni is another freshman that played a lot in this game. Uh, he he played pretty well. I'm not going to lie. I, I did not. I know Emory Jones doesn't really have an arm. It, it, it wasn't much of a concern. But I was impressed with Raider, too. I think he's going to be very good moving forward as well. Yeah, five tackles for him, two of them being solo tackles. Raider DeMuni, he's a good player. He is. He's going to be very good for us. Another freshman phenom. We got to mention it because we love this guy. Marcus McKenzie with another oh. punt coverage. That was absolutely beautiful. Got to love that. At least, you know, we got to say, we got to talk about BYU's punt game, right? You already mentioned Ray Cow. Now we're mentioning, um, <laughs> we're mentioning our guy, uh marcus mckenzie who is an absolute beast and we've been saying this for weeks can we give a quick shout out to Braden smith you Ooh. might not recognize that name but that would be the cincinnati return man who decided it would be a good <laughs> idea to jump up and try to touch a ball that was over his head and fumbled it <laughs> and our freaking long snapper austin riggs shout out long snappers recovered the football <laughs> Huge shout out to that guy. What a doofus. <laughs> yeah, Braden Smith. Um, it's such a BYU name, too. Right? Uh, well, and it's a BYU play, too. Like, that's something that you think Hobbs Nyberg would do or something, you know? Dude, Hobbs Nyberg is actually a sneakily very good returner. He He's okay. He runs the exact same way every single time he catches a punt. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but it's okay because he does not muff them. Knock on wood. Um, my last thing about this, this, and I guess actually we'll get to that later. Um, it's just funny how we lost this game the exact same way, or we won this game the exact same way we lost to Kansas, right? In this game, it was Cincy making those stupid mistakes and stupid turnovers like that, you know, won us the game. And that's the exact same way we lost to Kansas, like big 12 football. This is how it is. You have to play a clean game. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know, how great you are in one aspect or the other. If you make stupid mistakes, you're going to lose the football game. And I just think that's really cool that finally uh, we're getting to play these games, these tight kind of closer games week in and week out, rather than just playing, you know, some glorified FCS school every week, uh, except for weeks one and two when we get our doors blown off by Washington. Get our doors blown off by Washington and then beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. You yeah. know, <laughs> something dumb. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To kind of add on Jared's points there. Um since he had 500 yards of offense, we had 300. And yet we won by basically two scores. They had 26 first downs. We had 17. 
<laughs> it, it makes I, no sense. They possessed the ball for 10 full more minutes than us. Oh, and it could have been 20 the yeah. way we were playing. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely incredible. BYU covered the spread. Uh, good teams win, great teams cover. I must say I'm very disappointed. I projected in my Retro Bowl game that BYU was going to score 38 points. Mm-hmm. That was on the table until oh. we had a missed kick there at the end. Can't blame them. The leg was there. A little hooked a little left, whatever. Doesn't matter. I do have one more gripe to address about this game, though. Yes, please. BYU advertised this game as a sellout. Oh. The highest attended game since 2009. That is a bunch of propaganda bullcrap. Yep. It, it was a sellout. I'll give it that. The sure. stadium was full. I'll give it that. According to the tickets that were actually scanned, we were 400 tickets over capacity. So we were 100%. We were in. Got it. That stadium was not as full as it was against Utah in 2021, Arizona State in 2021. It was not as full as it was during those games. I will die on that hill. I'm 100% with you. It was fuller during the 2021 Idaho State game than it was during this game. It was despicable. Like, I could not – I was like, okay, this is BYU's first ever home game in the Big 12. It is a Friday night before conference. This is the only thing going on. This place better be rocking. And it wasn't. There were so many empty sections. Like right above the band was almost completely empty. You had the whole side on the west stands. The northwest corner of the stadium was just empty. There was no one there. You could still see the BYU outline on the east stands. Like Cougar Nation, like that is some propaganda, bro. Cougar Nation did not show up for that game like they should have. It, it it was honestly like it was kind of sad to see. I was very disappointed. Yeah, and I get it. Friday night, right? I mean, a lot of the people that are huge college football fans probably have kids that are high school football age. So, you know, you're obviously at your kid's game and not the BYU game. You're at your kid's game streaming the BYU game on your phone, but <laughs> you're at your kid's game, you know? So I, I, under, I can kind of understand why some sections were empty. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of our season tickets are a lot of big families, right? A lot True. of big families that probably have players playing, you know, so maybe they were gone. I don't know. Whatever it was, the, the, the stadium was full. It was loud when it needed to be. Um, it, it, it could have been much loud, and it should have been much louder. I'll say yeah. that. But it was all propaganda. Yes, all propaganda. Um. We could gripe about some other things like the clock management and the timeout uh, management. Timeout management, playing for a field goal, and you didn't even like take a shot to the end zone. Uh, but we won't. We're gonna move on because there is more to talk about. Um, college football also happened over the weekend. If you were tuned mm-hmm. into General Conference, you must have noticed that conference the Saturday afternoon session didn't air on NBC because it was Michigan State Iowa. Shocker. Uh, but yes, there was uh, college football on this weekend. And the only way we know how to recap it is with the Nifty Nine. Bum. Dun, dun, dun. What? 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 Boom. I am eager to start this Nifty Nine. You might even say I'm eager beaver to Ooh. talk about the 
Playing on a Friday night in Corvallis, the Utah Pukes took a trip to Oregon with their eyes set on losing yet another Rose Bowl. But their hopes were damned by DJ Ukulele Oonga Loonga Boonga and his Bucktooth crew. The Scroots ran Nate Johnson out there, pretending he was a, com a competent quarterback, but he was more exposed than a French person at a nude beach, completing only 34% of his passes and a QBR that didn't even reach double digits. <laughs> Bryson Barnes' head was gnawed off by the Bucktooth Beavers shortly <laughs> thereafter. Relying on their running attack, the Beavs smacked the Utes with their beaver tail, winning the football game 21 to 7. There's no more glorious sight than a BYU win and a Utah loss. We turn the page you to, love to see it, boom. Stafford, the where the agriculturals of Ogden State decided to go straight to hell by playing on the Sabbath, which is just any day general conference is on, apparently. Oh. Uh, the Hukon Huskies. Rolled over like a cute little puppy doogie for most of the game before bearing those razor sharp chompers like mooses in the fourth quarter as Tay Quan, son of robber, let a furious comeback. The Shushkies forced the Bullocks down the field and Fortis scored a tuddly with mere seconds remaining in the game. But fake Blanderson's extra special teams unit reminded Jim Haunted House Mora that he's still out of basketball school, blocking the game tying extra point and giving the Gaggies a 34 to 33 victory. Can I just say, Boom, that was very disappointing. It was very disappointing. You can't miss that extra point, Boom. <laughs> Next up, we make a stop in Boulder. Does anyone know if that chain smoker's roommate got his mattress back? Probably not, Boom. Anyways, speaking of not getting things back, Dion and his rowdy crew did not get back on track against half of a football team on Saturday. Ooh. Colorado's whole team welcomed USC's offense onto the field, as it appears Lincoln Riley forgot his defense at home. Ooh. That does not matter, though, apparently, when you have Caleb Williams at quarterback. <laughs> the Southern California contraceptive brand put up 500 yards of offense and 48 points, running through the Colorado defense like a gallon of milk through somebody lactose intolerant. Ay, ay, ay. Colorado gets served a second slice of humble pie in a row falling 48 to 41 to their Big Ten foe. <laughs> we head early. We head to the early 1800s, where the James Madison faced off against the pressures and challenges of raising a spunky new nation to Sunbelt supremacy. Oh? Though losing the war against the Wieners for Eyes dude conference administration, the Founding Fathers won the battle this week against the South Urn Alabama Jaguars. That staunch dookie defense hold, held to just the guys to just 27 rush yards and forced two Apple turnovers. While captain of the guard, Jordan Sounds like Clark BYU, boom. It does. Led the team in passing and rushing, racking up over 300 yards of total offense and three totalies in a 31-23 win. Jabu is for freaking real. Let them play in the postseason, you cowards. Let them play. Next up, we head to Jordan Hare Stadium, where the Uggas were playing some ugly football Ooh, against it. Hugh Freeze and his morally challenged gang of cronies. War Eagle looked like it was going to be beloved by America for the first time since Cam Newton flew over the field like Superman. But instead, 
Everyone hates them once again. Oof. Peyton Thorne threw for a whopping 82 yards on 19 attempts and an interception. Meanwhile, Uga finally discovered that you're allowed to pass the ball more than run the ball. Oh? Oh? Brock Bowers put the team on his back like a backpack loaded with bricks in a primary lesson about <laughs> repentance. Going for 157 yards and a game-winning touchdown. Georgia slithers away with a gross, slimy victory, 27-20. to 20. Yuck. Next up, we head to Bat City. Yeah, apparently that's Austin's thing. Uh, oh, I don't know. What the heck? That's, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know. With the Jayhawks of Ken's ass took on the UT Not E Stronghorns. Both teams yeah, no, definitely no. kept Austin weird in the first half, playing a 13-7 slugly fest. <laughs> However, Steven the Sock Easyan must have New Zealand soccer coached his dudes at halftime because damn, them horns were hooking in the second half. Jonah Throne books exploded like a bad case of the Hershey squirts running for 218 yards and two tuddlies. Quinn Ewer, I hardly know him, and company rocked the chalk straight into next year, coming out with a 40 to 14 victory. I love that. Quinner, I hardly know <laughs> Next up, we head to the bounce house, which appeared to be deflated as half the fans were gone wandering through the, ev the Florida Everglades by halftime. Disappointing, boom. Baylor sucked more than a what black hole in the month of September and, th and there was no exception through three quarters in Orlando after the third quarter Baylor was down <laughs> 35 to 10 it seems insurmountable right boom psych it ain't Baylor poured out points of the fourth quarter like a rapper with a champagne bottle at a party putting up 26 buckaroonies in the fourth quarter a shocked Golden Knights offense attempted a last-second game-winning field goal, but it fell short. Way These short. Knights must be Knights of the Square Table or something, <laughs> because they sure suck too bad to be part of the round table. Baylor brings home a surprising victory, 36-35. Oh? Hold on to your butts, because we head across the pond to Oxford University, Oxford. where... Lane, the fraud, Kiffin, and Hottie Toddy squared up against bad luck Brian Kelly and his wildly overrated Tigers. Jackson Blue Dart lit it up, sharding around to the tune of 389 yards and four tundies, rattling the cheeks of We're the Real DBU and honors across the South. Both defensive coordinators were in the bathroom getting higher than the Empire State. Well, the offensive coordinators were all the way up, I'm all the way up, en route to more than 1,300 yards combined. Oh. In the end, Ole Miss students rushed the field and got decked by LSU linemen after their pitiful excuse of a football team eked out a 55 to 49 win over an LSU team that will apparently stay ranked until the end of time. All you gotta do is be in the SEC, boom, and you're That's ranked. really it. Lastly, we head to Durham, North Carolina, Ooh. where the war and football heaven was raging amongst touchdown Jesus and the Blue Devils. Ooh, nice. After losing on a last second play last week, Sam Hartman pulled out the Uno reverse and Oof. slammed it down on the table, Big beating Jungus. the Dukies in the final moments of the football game. Big Jungus. Oh, oh. 
Colby Lee. We miss him. Rest in peace, Big Chungus. <clears throat> anyway, um, <laughs> a late punt led to Notre Dame driving the field and the highly estimated Notre Dame running back punched it in for six. After a successful two-point conversion, all eyes were on Riley Leonard with 30 seconds left in the ballgame. An unfortunate injury and ensuing fumble mm. gave us the results we knew would happen the whole time as was biblically prophesied. Oh no. Touchdown Jesus casts out the Blue Devils and his followers. 21 to 14. The only thing that could have made that better is if it was 21 to 7. It's 3 to 1 ratio, right? Yeah, third that would have been better. Third mm. of the hosts of heaven. It, it was a wild weekend in college football. If you were only watching conference, good for you. For those of us who are watching conference and college football, gooder for us. Um, we are now one month into the football season, and I would like to take this time to Which review. Is it, it is crazy. It's, it's insane. Uh, football season moves a little too fast for my liking. Uh, but here we are. We're five and a half weeks in-ish, uh, maybe six weeks if you count week zero. Um, and we do, of course. Uh, but let's let's kind of review where we are in college football one month in. I just have a couple of quick fire questions uh, for us. Uh, we'll yeah. start off. Who has been the biggest the biggest disappointment through one month of the season? I I know for me, I, obviously it's BYU's offense, right? With all the talent we have. But I think the other biggest disappointment for me has been Nebraska. I really thought they were going to at least turn something around, but they're despicable. They're worse than they were under Scott Frost. They're not even really that competitive anymore. And I know Matt Rule does this, right? He takes the first year to kind of just set in his culture, move out the good, the bad pieces, bring in the good, right? It's what he did at Temple. It's what he did at Baylor. It's definitely not what he did at the Panthers, but we don't remember that. Um, nope. NFL I, doesn't count. Yes, does not count. Um I just I would have hoped to see at least a pulse, right? We are still just a dead, you know, a dead program walking at this point. I think it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, no, I can see that. My biggest disappointment is Texas Tech football. Ooh, um, Texas Tech. If you remember at the beginning of the year, was a dark horse, um, dark horse college football playoff candidate. They are now two and three. Yikes. Their only wins being over Tarleton State <laughs> and Houston, who is an absolute dumpster <laughs> fire right now. So they've only beat they've beaten the two worst teams on their schedules. They lost to West Virginia. They lost to Wyoming. Like Texas Tech has got to be the biggest disappointment. And I'm glad that they kind of are a disappointment because I think that basically guarantees us a win at home versus I, them. I would hope so. The fact that they are worse and it is a guaranteed win might reduce our chances of winning that football game, actually. <laughs> I, I I don't know. That's the BYU effect. But my biggest disappointment this year has to be Texas Tech. I That's 100% valid. I had Texas Tech, I think, in my Big 12 championship game. So, yeah, yeah definitely a big disappointment. Uh, kind of on the other side, what has been most surprising and which like result or which game has been most surprising uh, in particular? Um, I might catch a little bit of flack for this. Um, but the most surprising teams to me this year, like good surprise, good surprise have been a, um, Duke. Mm-hmm. I got to mention Duke, but, um, beat the most surprising team to me, Jacksonville state. 
Ooh. Um, this is kind of a deep cut. They came in and beat UTEP right away, which I was not expecting. Yep. Beat their FCS opponent, beat them up. Have since beaten Eastern Michigan and Sam Houston, which they should have lost that game, but whatever. That was fresh. Um, they are four and one. I thought that they were really going to struggle transitioning to FBS. Lots of teams normally do, but it's kind of that situation where they redshirted all of their good players and they have them all back first year in the FBS. They are tied for first place right now in CUSA. They can't make it to the postseason because the NCAA is full of a bunch of butthead losers. That oh my gosh, we felt threatened. With it. You should feel threatened, okay? Like honestly, like if we were running, if the purge was real, my first stop would be the NCAA's door. <laughs> Just saying. Just FBI, saying. Please don't investigate me. I'm not going to commit any violent crimes. I promise. I promise. It was I promise. Purely hypothetical. Purely hypothetical. Purely hypothetical. But I was very pleasantly surprised by Jacksonville State. Uh, I agree, and I'm actually going to go with Duke as well. That that win over Clemson was like the most surprising win. I was like hoping that it would even be close, but the fact they came out there and just like bludgeoned them to death, uh, very very impressive. It's very sad to see Riley Leonard go down because he probably won't be back for a long way. So they probably, you know, they're a good team, but they're not they're not a contender without him. So to see him go down was disappointing. But that Duke Clemson game was very 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 fun and very surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about your favorite game so far, Justin? I know there's been a lot of games. I I think mine, I have a couple. I, I mean, BYU-Arkansas, heck of a lot of yeah. fun. Very, very exciting. Very surprised. I, I think I was more surprised with the outcome. I think that adds to it. Um, but also Oregon-Texas Tech was absolutely a banger. I thought Texas Tech was going to come back and win that and then throw pick six. Um, and then Texas Bama was also very fun just because it's those two heavyweights. We saw the game last year and then Texas beat Bama. They beat them pretty soundly and we always like to see Alabama lose. Sorry, Mark. Um, and so that one was, yeah, sorry, Mark. That one was really fun to watch as well. Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. Um, I really liked the, the nobody wants to win it bowl, the Florida state LSU. (laughs) Yes. Um, it's just kind of funny watching those teams. Neither team wants to win it. They're going back and forth at it. That's honestly kind of funny. Um, shoot, there was one more game that I had in my head and I lost it. I should have written it down. But um, yeah, I, I'd go with that game. Honestly, Florida State LSU was a really funny game to watch. BYU Arkansas was a really, really fun game to watch, especially as a BYU fan. And then this <laughs> yes. past week, there were really good games as well. So, I'm, I don't know. It, it was a fun week. There, it, it, there's, there, you could choose any number of games from this past right. week. I think I would probably go, if I had to choose one, Georgia-Auburn was a ton of chaos. That actually was – yeah, that was really fun. Very ugly. But chaos. It was but a very yeah. ugly game, very ugly thing. And, yeah, so that or, – or I guess Duke-Clemson. Duke-Clemson was a really fun game. Duke-Clemson was very fun. Uh, where will BYU finish in the Big 12? Uh, I know we gave our projections earlier. Um, I've moved BYU up a couple of spots, not because BYU, I think, is outperforming, but more probably just because I think the other teams are underperforming. Um, I have us finishing either eighth or ninth now, which is, you know, getting closer to the top half of the conference. I think we'll finish higher than Houston, Cincy, 
uh, Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State. And then I think if we can beat TCU, we can finish eighth, but we'll probably I, – I don't know if we'll lose to TCU. I haven't gotten there yet. Um, but I think us and TCU kind of fighting for that eighth spot there. So either eighth or ninth for me. I move them up a couple spots. Interesting. I think we're going to land in the top half of the Big 12 this year, honestly. Um, the bottom half of the Big 12 is just so bad. And BYU is better than the national media expected. They're kind of at where we expected, I want to say. But a lot better than the Big 12 media, than the national media gave us credit for. Texas Tech is struggling. Iowa State struggling. Oklahoma State looks like it might implode. Like Mike <laughs> Gundy might be fired by the end of the year, honestly. Like, the bottom half is just so bad. I don't think there's any way we don't finish in the top half at this point. Uh, I think that's a great spot to be in. You know, anywhere from, like, six to eight, I think that would be incredible for our first year in the Big 12. We're definitely outperforming the other teams, the other newcomers, uh, the only newcomer with a win so far. Uh, we'll see how that goes because uh, our schedule gets a little tougher. But, yeah, I- I'm excited to see where we finish. Uh, yeah, how about I guess so. Your, who is your Heisman front runner at this point? I know Caleb Williams, reigning Heisman winner. Uh, there's a lot that goes into the Heisman, unfortunately. It's not actually just who is the best player in college football, mm-hmm. right? It's who has the biggest story in college football, who has the best team in college football. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're incredible, if your team goes eight and four, there's no chance you're even making it to New York. So, given what the voters take into account. Who is your Heisman front front runner right now? For me, currently, this is a two-dog fight. And Caleb Williams is not one of those dogs. Ooh. He just his defense won't allow him. His defense won't allow him to get to the Pac-12 champ. Maybe the Pac-12 championship his it, he won't get to the playoff. He won't uh, just because his defense is so bad. Mm-hmm. I think this is a two-dog fight between Michael Penix and Bo Nix. Wow, Pac-12. Yeah, really. I think Phoenix is the better of the two, but I think Bo Nix is kind of in a similar situation as Stetson Bennett. Mm, Stetson Bennett got invited to New York simply because he was the quarterback of a team that had an incredible defense that carried them through. Bo Nix is like that, but he's five times better than Stetson Bennett ever was. 100%. 100%. So I think because of that, he has a legitimate chance at winning it this year. See, that's really interesting to bring that up because my I was going to say Michael Penis. Uh, he's playing incredible right now. He has He's one yard short of 2,000 yards, uh, 75% Gosh, completion. I know, right? Uh, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, come on. Through five games, that's in, like 400 yards a game. That's literally 400 yards a game. That's incredible. But as I bring up Bo Nix's stats to kind of compare – he is better than Michael Penis. He is 80% completion. That's better. 15 touchdowns, so one less. One interception, one less as well. Same amount of sacks, um, which is three. <laughs> uh, and he's thrown nice. for just under 1,500 yards. So he is throwing for like 350 yards per game, 320-ish yards per game. So like he is doing it – at an equal rate, right? Maybe just mm-hmm. a little bit less than Michael Penix because his wide receivers aren't quite as good as Washington's. Um, I 
like if both of those teams, if they split, you know, if one of them wins the regular season game, they meet again in the Pac-12 championship game, they split it, it's 100% it's going to be them too, right? There's no way it could be anybody else. So uh, no. I, I'm very excited to see to see those games play out. Uh, and we actually get round one of maybe two in two weeks. So uh, that's going to be exciting. Uh, kind of on those same lines, who are your four playoff teams at this point? Um I think it's very different than what everybody expected. A lot of teams haven't looked as good as they should. Some teams have overperformed a lot, uh, namely Florida State, Texas. So, uh, Justin, who, if the playoff were today, uh, actually, no, Mm -hmm. let's do this. By the end of the season, what is your prediction right Mm -hmm. now for the playoff? Not if it happened today, your prediction for the playoff in the future. My prediction is Oregon. Okay. Georgia, Ohio State, actually. I think they might sneak over Michigan this year. Okay. And as much as I hate to say this, Texas. Okay. So Oregon, They've already got a marquee win. Texas, okay. They could get one or two more. Assuming they don't lose to BYU on some dumb game, I think they might be in it. I – I agree with you. I think the Big 12 is at a place right now that it's not crazy to think Texas goes undefeated. If they can beat Oklahoma, if they can just stand pat against everybody else, really, like I don't think there's many other teams that will challenge them, assuming Texas doesn't play down to its competition like it does every year. Um, Texas is also in my playoff four. I have Texas, Michigan, and Washington as kind of like my locks, right? Um, I think right now Ohio State is – I would love to see them in the playoff. I have not seen enough from their offense. Um, Their defense is super, super good, I know. But against Michigan, like, you're going to have to score a ton of points, and I don't know if we can do that yet. Washington, I think it's going to be them or Oregon, whoever wins, right? I think Washington right now just because they have the better offense, but Oregon is way better defense. We'll see. Texas, I think they can run the table, I think. assuming Oklahoma does what Oklahoma has done the last couple of years, which is actually lay the egg. um, I think we can see Texas go undefeated. And then I have Florida state in as that fourth team, not super confident in Florida state. I don't think they're maybe that good, but I just don't see another loss on their schedule. They don't play a ton of super hard teams. They play like Duke and UNC, right? They've already beaten the two best or two, the two hardest games on their schedule are behind them. Clemson and LSU we now know LSU is maybe not as good, but that's, you know, a primetime game against a high ranked opponent. And then Clemson who's run the ACC for the last 590 years. Um, I think just out, you have Ohio state and Penn state, you have Oregon, maybe Oklahoma, if they can beat Texas once. And then the SEC champ, I just don't think if Georgia wins, if they go undefeated and all these other teams are undefeated, you have to take these other teams over Georgia. There's no way that, you, you know, you can take a Georgia, uh, uh, undefeated Georgia over an undefeated, you know, whoever. Uh, now, if one of those teams slips up, which is very likely, uh, especially Michigan and Washington, then I think you see the SEC champ in there uh, if that SEC champ is Georgia. So I don't know. I think it's, we are primed to see a lot of new blood in the playoff this year. Yeah, I think so too. I think we might see a lot of new blood, which would be very fun. Um, one thing I'm, I'm looking to see this year 
the SEC is a super weird conference this year. There's kind of a power vacuum in the SEC West. Um, Alabama's still 2-0 in conference, but they have looked gettable. Very. Alabama still has to go and play some good teams. I mean, I mean they go to Texas A&M this week. Yeah, Texas A&M, good, arguable, but, you know, but they're, they're not a bad team, right? They're Ole Miss, LSU, Texas A&M, Alabama, they all might be fighting for that SEC West championship. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the SEC East, sneakily, you have three undefeated teams. Ooh. Georgia, Kentucky, and Mizzou are all undefeated. Like, I don't know. There's kind of a weird thing going on in the SEC this year. We might see a weird SEC championship game. I think it would be absolutely incredible and hilarious if we saw an SEC championship game that featured neither Alabama nor Georgia. Yes. I, is that going to happen? Likely not, but it'd be hilarious. It could happen. There is a possible, there is a much higher possibility this year than in any other previous year. And I, I know like Missouri and Kentucky, that's laughable, but the way Georgia's played, there's a hundred percent chance they could lose to either of those teams. Right. Oh yeah. Like, and then a tiebreaker scenario kind of deal. Oh yeah. Oh, I could, I could definitely see it. Um, the thing that I kind of have my eye on is the Pac-12, but especially at Oregon in the month of October. Listen to the schedule. So they have a bye this week, and then they play Washington, U- or Washington State, and Utah. Back to back to back. 14th, 21st, uh, and the 28th. Um, they go to Washington. Washington State at home, huge plus. And then they go to Utah. Now, I know Utah – who knows if they'll have Cam Rising back because if they don't have Cam Rising, they're a Conference USA team. If they do have Cam Rising, then they're Iowa. Um, so I guess we'll see there. Um, but Oregon, that I mean, that's my team to watch. The That is the – if they can go undefeated, if they can go 2-1 and one in that stretch, you know, they're definitely going to be in that playoff conversation. Yeah. No, I, dude, honestly, that's going to be a tough stretch for Oregon. There's a lot of teams that go through a lot of tough stretches stretches in these next few weeks. Arkansas is going through an absolute gauntlet. Ooh, Sam Pittman might get fired, and it might not even be his fault. <laughs> it's true. Like, I guess you can't lose to BYU at home. But, uh, no, yeah, he's going through an absolute gauntlet. His team might be, like, one in five to no fault of his own. Yeah, I – I mean, you play great teams like BYU. It's hard to get a dub. You know what I mean? You can't be scheduling teams like BYU in the non-con if you want to win games, you know? <laughs> nah, man. You can't go to a bowl game with that kind of schedule. <laughs> BYU is on a bye week this week as we kind of, mm-hmm. you know, move move forward. Um, I just want to get some quick thoughts. One, what do we have to do to get the, to beat the bye week? Uh, and then two – we are four and one through five games. I know we haven't looked like we thought we would look, but if you thousand foot view four and one, great. Awesome. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree. Um, unlike the, like I was saying before, unlike the rest of America, I think we both had a pretty good read on that BYU would be in this position. We, I don't know that we truly believed it, but our blue goggled prediction when we did our big 12 win totals episode I had BYU at uh, five and zero. Oh, you had BYU at four and one at this point, with a loss to Arkansas, win versus Kansas. You had those flipped. Yep. 
that's way better than national projections right now, though. National projections had us had our win total set at four and a half. Yeah, we are four games into that. Do you four think we're gonna hit the, the over? Think we're gonna hit the over? I. Yeah, I don't know. We have but like seven shots to hit the over. <laughs> yeah, seven shots. Uh, you know, three of them at home. Um, <laughs> I'm, dude. I'm honestly very optimistic about the rest of the year. The rest of the Big Twelve is kind of looking down, which gives us a chance to pounce and make a name for ourselves. Year one, I'm optimistic on quarterback play. Slovis has been playing well as of late. Pleasantly surprised by LJ Martin. Rumor is we're getting Aiden Robbins back here pretty soon. Our offensive line seems to be kind of rounding into form. Like, very good in pass protection still. Run game is improving. And our defense has been impressed, has been impressive. I'm I'm at the point now where at the beginning of the season, blue goggles were off. Now they're super glued to my eyelids. (laughs) Um, I'm not that far. I think I'm very happy that we are four and one. Um it is a welcome surprise given the way that we've played. I think we, like you said, we kind of hoped and kind of expected this, uh, but given the way we've played, I did not think we would be in this position, uh, but welcome to big boy football. I've loved these past three games, Arkansas, Kansas, Cincinnati. They were all really close. They were all like whoever makes the least amount of stupid mistakes wins. Um, I'm so happy that we're in the big 12 because this is awesome. This is very, very fun. Uh, I think for October, I'm looking at a one and two. I think we can beat. Mm. I think we can definitely beat either Texas Tech or TCU. I think they're both going to be tough games. I give us the edge at home against Texas Tech, but I think TCU is very winnable as well. Um, I give us no shot against Texas. And then for the rest of the season, I'm I'm thinking seven and five overall right now. I, I had eight in my preseason projections. I don't know if we'll get to eight given the way West Virginia is playing, uh, but I think seven and five is very much on the table. Um, I mean, the three other wins out there, I'm thinking Iowa State, TCU or Texas Tech, and then Oklahoma State, at the very least. At the very least, I, there's definitely a chance we can get more than that. But I'm thinking right now, conservatively, 7-5 and five at the very least. And I, there's 100% chance we're going bowling. There's no way we don't win two out of seven. Yeah, no, man. I One and two, I think, is being a little pessimistic in October. I see why, right? TCU is kind of a toss-up. I think that we go two and one in October. I would love it. That, dude, I, we're we are bowl eligible by the end of October, in my opinion. Okay. I think I know at this point what BYU's role in the Big Twelve is going to be. I don't think we'll ever be the outright number one team preseason. Everyone knows we're going to win, and we win it. I think BYU is the pain in the ass team. I, yes. Nobody wants to play us. You'll outgain us in every single statistical category <laughs> possible, but somehow the game will still be close. You have to come play in the cold, in the cold, late at night, elevation, in a stadium where BYU does not like to lose. We'll give team fits. And I think that's exactly what we'll do in October. We'll give TCU fits. We'll give Texas fits. I think we'll lose to Texas, but we'll give them fits. We will give um, we, we'll give any team that we play fits. I think that we go two and one in October, and we're bowl eligible. And I think that with the blue goggles glued to my eyelids, I think we're going nine and three this year, which would be awesome. Honestly, though, with them off, 
I see BYU is going four and three during this stretch. I think we finish eight and four. That would be incredible. I could, it's definitely out there. Like it is definitely a possibility. Call me um, an optimist. Call me a loser. Tell me my heads are in the clouds. My goggles are too blue. I don't care. BYU is going eight and four. Book it. I like it. I, I could definitely see it, right? If we can get two wins in October, eight and four is nearly guaranteed given, you know, taking away like injuries and crap like that. Um, let's move ahead to college football week six. Um, I, we're going to introduce a new segment. Uh, we like doing road trips. We drove 15 hours to watch uh, Oregon beat the Nards off of us with a door hinge. Yeah, uh-huh. I, It was very, very bad. Um, but we do like doing road trips. College football is all about like road trips and just living it up, tailgating, right? Um, so, Justin, I'm going to present to, to you and the listeners a a pair of road trips, and you choose which one you would rather do and give me a reason why. Yeah. Road trip A, and this is for this weekend. Uh, Thursday, Thursday night, you get Western Kentucky at Louisiana Tech. Okay? little CUSA matchup right there. See Western Kentucky, that yeah. offense. Seven and a half hour drive. You arrive on Friday for another night game. Kansas State at Oklahoma State. Boom, picking stadium. Uh, you get to see Howard, Mike Gundy, the mullet, you know, his dumpster fiver team. Okay. Friday night. Four hour, 15 minute drive. Saturday, 11 a.m. Red River, Dallas State Fair. Spend the morning at the fair. Get the corn, you know, the deep fried, deeped and deep fried. Uh, and then <laughs> stay for most of the game. Uh, probably, probably all of it. Maybe if you want to beat traffic, you might have to leave if it's a bad game. 90 minute drive. You get the butt bowl. The Texas butt bowl. At Baylor B-U-T-T at 7 p.m. So that is road trip A. Western Kentucky yeah. at Louisiana Tech, Kansas State at Oklahoma State, Red River rivalry, and then Texas Tech at Baylor. B, okay, this is the Midwest now. Uh, not just the Central West. The Midwest. Got Friday, it. Nebraska at Illinois Champaign. Three, uh, almost four-hour drive. The next day, 11 a.m., Rutgers at Wisconsin. You're there for jump around. Uh, you get to see the all that kind of stuff, the, the badges, buttgas. Then you have to leave a little bit early from that game, four-hour drive, and you go Michigan at Minnesota for just a three yards in a cloud of dust football game. Mm-hmm. up in minneapolis so are you going with a or b for me on this one i gotta go with a just because i feel like i'm gonna get lots of different types of football mm. western kentucky at law tech what the heck is that game gonna be i don't even know and i get to see hank bachmeyer play again sure <laughs> why not kansas state at oklahoma state has oklahoma state completely given up will they be competitive red river is going to be fun but that's just but Whereas road trip B, there's a lot of big names on that road trip, but I think I'm just watching the same football game three times over again. It's, I, it's I think Big Ten football. I think you're right. <laughs> you know, so I, what, what are you going with? No, I'm definitely going with A as well. Uh, first off, more football is is good football, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like the four games. Um, B is awesome because you get to see Wisconsin, Nebraska, uh, Michigan. Uh, Rutgers, you know, these Rutgers. Big Ten powerhouses. <laughs> Obviously, Rutgers in Nebraska, not quite powerhouses. Um, 
I think if it were at Nebraska and at Michigan and at Wisconsin, like you have to go there, right? Because of those historic stadiums. But the fact that you're going to Illinois and Minnesota, maybe not as much. And then Red River, right? Like that's a bucket list item for all college football fans. Definitely got to go. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I like doing the, these little hypotheticals. It makes me want to go. It makes me wish I was retired at 65 years old and just driving around doing nothing else than just taking my dog, pretending he's a service animal and bringing him into all these college football games. Screw it, Jerry. Let's do it one of these years. Let's just pick a bunch of random games and let's go. Save up all of our money for just like one season of college football. Tell the fam, like, yo, Pack your bags. We're hitting the road for 13 weeks, baby. Dude, I don't care. Even if it's just like one of these road trips, right? That would be awesome. Like fly into Louisiana on Wednesday, get a rental car, and freaking go. And all of a sudden, we're in Oklahoma. Then we're in Baylor. uh, Then we're in Texas. Then we're all over the place. You know, freaking let's do it. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, Moving uh, things along, we have upset picks. Now, oh, um, yeah, so it was a bad week. Uh, let's just say that. Um, <sighs> Justin, I mean, we both we both missed. I, Justin, you maybe have a little more to gripe about here because of a certain decision you made live yeah, on there. It was either for me, it was either ECU at Rice or it was Eastern Michigan at Central Michigan. I should have gone with Emu. They covered. They did not win outright, but I would have gotten one point there. ECU did not cover because their quarterback is literally worse than me, and that's saying something. My QBR in the UFL is probably like 1.5. Yeah, all bad all around. Zero points for me this week. Yeah, zero points for me as well. South Carolina was not the move. Not the move. Spencer Rattler pulled a classic Spencer Rattler through a pick six uh, that helped them not cover. Uh, yep. So should have known. I should have known. I don't know what to say there. Uh, so you're still up nine to four, uh, but let's move ahead. This week, clean slate. Let's start over. Justin, who are you going with? This week's going to be better, and I feel really confident about this one, actually. Um, give me North Texas, who is a six-and-a-half-point road underdog to Navy. Interesting. Um, I don't think Navy's very good. I don't think North Texas is great either, but I do think that they're, they are not seven points worse than Navy. So I think North Texas at least gets me the cover, and I do think that they'll be able to win this game outright as well. Yeah, that is that's one of those lines where it's like, huh, interesting, oh. huh. Oh. Um, now I'm looking at like three games here. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Let Let me just say this. So I'm looking at three games: Arizona at USC. Arizona's twenty-one and a half point underdogs. Uh. Rutgers at Wisconsin. Rutgers is 14-point underdog to Wisconsin. And then Kentucky, 14-and-a-half-point underdogs at Georgia. I think all of these games, I think some games, there's more of a chance of covering while less of a chance of winning the game outright. Mm -hmm. But in other games, there's a chance the team could win outright, but there's also a chance the team could get absolutely, like, the doors blown off of them. I think Rutgers and Georgia are kind of that game where I could see the other team winning, but I – don't really see the other team like losing close. So I'm going to go with Arizona at USC. I think Arizona's way feistier than people give them credit for. Um, and I think USC's defense is really bad. Like th- their defense is terrible. Jaden Delore is out. I don't think he's playing this game, which is actually good for Arizona because he throws 
like as many touchdowns to the other team as he does to his own team. Um, so I'm going with Arizona. It's a late night game. Arizona loves that. Uh, 830 in ESPN. I think that one's going to be a fun one. I think it's going to be another like USC Arizona state game uh, where it's pretty close. I think Arizona loses by two touchdowns. Get me a point. I'm happy with it. Yeah. I just think USC's defense is not capable of maintaining a 21 and a half point spread. <laughs> like it's, it's just not, it's just it's, not, it's just not. All righty. Let's uh, let's move on to tipsy 10 then. It was a uh, interesting week for us, Jared. A good week for the fans. Last week, the fans went seven and three. Unfortunately, we could not read their picks off live on the air, but we were able to go back and identify that. They are now 30 and 20 on the year with a 60% win percentage. Jared, how did you do this week? I did not do very well. Uh, there were a couple of principal picks. Um, I would make them 10 times out of 10. Like I would make them again. Uh, namely uh, Syracuse over Clemson and Duke over Notre Dame. Yep. Those mm-hmm. two kind of lost me the uh, the week. I went five and five. Uh, those were definitely not smart plays, but they were principal plays. And I can live with that if I go principal and I lose. I cannot live is when I, what I cannot do is when I go against principal and lose. And then I'm just shooting myself in the foot. So yeah, I'm okay. Principal plays will win out. Um, just they won't actually win out sometimes. Hey, that's okay. You did pretty good though for yourself. Another six and four week. Like this is decent. Yeah. And you're not doing terrible, right? You're 50% on the year. I mean, that's you're floating. Uh, yeah. I'm just underneath the surface. You got one foot in one foot out. You know what you kind of are? You're underwater, but your mouth is above water, right? (laughs) Like you're underwater, but you're still breathing. Yes. Yes. I'm not quite like, breathing through a straw or like breathing through one of those stupid paper straws. <laughs> Imagine that like you get abandoned at sea and you have a straw as a snorkel and you open it up and it's a paper straw and you're just sitting there as it dissolves into your mouth and you slowly run out of oxygen. All those sea turtles getting their payback on me. <laughs> um, so yeah, overall fans are still, you know, three games up on you, five games up on me. Uh, we need to catch them, Justin. We need them to have a bad week this week. I think this week is the week, man. I'm looking at their picks, and I'm not sure about what they're doing. So, uh, let's let's just jump right into it. Then I'm very excited for this. We got Friday night, like we said, Nebraska, Illinois, 6 p.m. FS1, Illinois home favorite, three and a half points. The fans are going with Nebraska, 64 percent of them too, 64 percent. I don't know about you, but I think this is one game where we might be able to make a game up on the fans. I honestly think so, too. I think you're thinking what I'm thinking at this point because I'm definitely going with Illinois and Brett Bielema on this game. Yep. Uh, the bowling ball, bowling ball Bielema, it is. I, like, what is there to hope for for Nebraska? I have seen absolutely nothing. Their offense is terrible. The run defense is not that good. Like – I, they didn't even put up a fight against Michigan and Bowling Green put up a fight against Michigan. So I, I think this is a pretty easy one, Illinois. Yeah. Illinois isn't great, but they're solid. Nebraska isn't even that they are not solid. There's so. nothing solid about them. Not even their poops. Uh, no, not even their poops. They're Hershey squirting all over the field. <laughs> Saturday, 10 AM on ESPN. We have a ranked SEC matchup, which is literally any two teams in the SEC during the first six weeks of the year. Grab bag. Number 23, LSU, travels to Mizzou, who is ranked number 21. 
LSU was a six and a half point road favorite. The fans, though, 51% in a close match are taking Mizzou. Jared, who do you got in this one? This is a tough one for me because, like you said, both of the teams are ranked, obviously, because they've done nothing up to this point. LSU, actually, they've lost a couple times. So that's what yep, got them twice. To this point. Mm-hmm. Um, explain that to me. Um, let's see here. I don't know what to do. The fact that the fans pick Mizzou makes me want to go with LSU. Mm. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Mizzou. I don't think it's super smart. But I just think Missouri at home, LSU doesn't really know what they are. They don't know if they can play smash mouth football. They don't know if they're supposed to play 753 yards of total offense football. Mm. I think Missouri has a better idea of, of their identity, of what they can do to opposing teams. They they beat Kansas State at home. I think Kansas State is pretty comparable to LSU. So I, I think I'm going to go with Missouri. I'm not super confident. This might be one of those principal picks that comes back to bite me in the butt, but I'm going to go with Missouri. I'm going with LSU in this one. Uh, Mizzou's good. They're a good story, but I feel like something like this happens with an SEC team every year. They play a bunch of nobodies, and Mizzou hasn't played a bunch of nobodies, right? They beat Kansas State. But I, I just think Mizzou's going to struggle. Um, th- this all hinges on Jalen Daniels, right? Does he have a Jalen Daniels game, or does he have a Jalen Daniels game? And any college football fan knows that a Jalen Daniels game can either be what Heisman candidate mm-hmm. or it could be worst quarterback in the FBS candidate. Yep. So I think he probably has a decent game. Give me LSU in this one. I can definitely see that happening. Um, that man is a wild card. We move ahead to 1 PM on streamy style. I mean, sorry, the PAC 12 network. Um, uh-huh. uh, number 13, Washington state is playing at UCLA in a very empty Rose bowl. And UCLA is three-and-a-half-point favorites. Stinker. The, yes, I smell a rat. There's something wrong with this game. The fans, they're going with Wazoo, 77%. Pretty pretty hefty number there. Justin, where are you going? I'm going with Wazoo in this one. I don't think there's any chance that UCLA wins this game. Dude, UCLA, their quarterback is a freshman. He's good and all. He's a couple of years away. Whereas Wazoo has a quarterback that is good, came up from the FCS ranks, and now he might be a Heisman candidate in himself. So give me Wazoo. Dude, I'm 100% with you. I freaking love this Wazoo team. Cam Ward is balling. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not understand why the three and a half point underdogs. That one just smells stinkier than Moose's farts in the morning. Like there is, I do not like it, but I'm going with Wazoo because. This makes me think that like Cam Ward isn't playing or the whole team got COVID and just isn't going to show up or something. What? Kinley says my farts are stinkier than Moose's. Oh, shoot. Congratulations, Jared. That's so, a pretty, that's a pretty big award. I'm actually yeah. going to pat you on the back for that one. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Haha, <laughs> Kinley, that was a compliment. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Wazoo, I, there's no reason that they should be underdogs. Yeah, no, that's kind of a stinky line. 1.30 p.m. on CBS, we have number 11 Alabama, the fighting Mark Strouds that travel to play Texas A&M in, was it Kyle Allen Field? Kyle Kyle Field? The the, the home of the 11th man? Yeah, Kyle Field, whatever it is, where the stolen Valor weirdos are going to do like a weird (laughs) dance before the game and they're all white clothing. I don't know. It's weird. 
Um, Bama is a two and a half point road favorite versus the Aggies. 62% of the fans chose Bama. What are you going with, Mr. Harid? I hate this game every year because I hate both teams. I I don't want either of them to win. I want it to be a tie. Uh, Mm. zero, zero. Mm. Um, I want, I, I think in this scenario, I think it would be funny, uh, for us as neutral observers if texas a&m came out and won the game because they've been underperforming so bad under jimbo fisher everybody wants him fired but the buyout is too big so i think it'd be hilarious if he won a big game against alabama uh that changed everybody's minds and they're like well now we can't fire him but we still want to but now he has this thing he can hang his hat on right this is what Mm -hmm. i've done and for that reason i'm choosing alabama uh, <laughs> principal, yep. mm-hmm. principal pick fade what you want to happen going with Alabama here this is a principal pick for me too not necessarily fading what I want to happen but that Jimbo Fisher is just a moron give me Alabama <laughs> that is also a very good principal pick uh, we move ahead 30 minutes to channel 13 in Utah Fox um, don't go there for news but go there for college football uh <laughs> Saturday, 2 p.m. on Fox. We got UCF at Kansas. Uh, UCF lost that barn burner of a football game against Baylor. Uh, Kansas lost. I mean, they got trounced by Texas, but what did you expect? Both of these teams kind of a little bit underperforming right now, but have much higher expectations. Kansas, two-point home favorite fan, 78% going with Kansas as well. Justin, who are you going with this in this one? Dude, I, I don't know because if I knew – if Jalen Daniels was going to play or not, I would have a lot better read on this game. Kansas's offense is completely dependent on Jalen Daniels. Like he makes that offense what it is. W- whatever his name, Bean, Bean, Jason just, Bean. Yeah, Jason Bean does not quite do the trick. Um, it, dude, I, is he playing? I don't know. I'm trying to look it up and I can't really find anything on it. Um, it's saying that he might, it's questionable. Last scratch. I uh, dude, I don't know. I think Jalen Daniels will play. Um, why couldn't he have got, got injured before BYU? I don't know. <laughs> Am I allowed to say like, if, if he plays Kansas wins, if he doesn't UCF does like that, that's cheap. I, I have to choose one or the other, right? You have to. So fast. We're doing this on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have any information, so just give me Kansas in this one because I think Jalen Daniels will play. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is a huge story. And then on the other side, you have John Rice Plumley for UCF. Same mm-hmm. story, right? Who knows if he's going to play? The latest report from like a couple of hours ago is that he is back at practice and they are waiting until after practice to evaluate him and maybe clear mm-hmm. him for the game. He is, for first and foremost, a runner. And he mm-hmm. did have a lower leg injury. Those are on his legs. He uses his legs to run. So even if he he's got back, legs, mm-hmm. he does have legs. I'm going with Kansas as well, because if both quarterbacks are out, both quarterbacks are back. And even if Plumley is back, he'll be playing hobbled. I think not hundred percent. So home team, right? Principal play pretty even teams go with the home team. Fair enough, man. That's, that's all you can do in this one. Anyway, Saturday, 5.30 p.m. on ABC, prime time. Number 10, Notre Dame and the touchdown Jesuses travel to Kentucky to play number 25, Louisville. 
Louisville ranked on the football field. Look at that. Louisville is a six and a half point home dog to the Fighting Irish. The fans agree. 70% of them choosing the Fighting Irish to win this football game. Jared, what is your read on this game? Ooh, this is a tough one. Very, very tough one. I went against Notre Dame last week. Didn't work out well for me. I think Duke played really well. They did everything they had to to win the game, except for Riley Leonard getting injured uh, and stopping Sam Hartman on fourth and 16, right? Yep. Or mm-hmm. whatever it was. Yep. Um, I don't know enough about Louisville to, to have trust in them. I'm going to go with Notre Dame. I hate it, but I just don't know enough about Louisville. Like they barely beat Georgia Tech, like 38 to 45 or something. So I'm, I'm going with Notre Dame here. I think they could lose, but I, I don't know. I just I haven't seen enough from Louisville to, to convince me that they can win this football game. Yeah, barely beat Georgia Tech, who just lost to Bowling Green. Exactly. Um, I'm going with Louisville in this one, actually, though. I oh, think baby. Notre Dame has played in some close games that they have deserved to lose, the Duke game. Just so much emotion, so much drama, like football, not like, you know, off-the-field drama or whatever, but just dramatic games that they're playing mm-hmm. in, right? Meanwhile, Louisville kind of flying under the radar. They're, you know, they're ranked now. Louisville is a tough place to play. It is. Give me Louisville on this one just because I hate Notre Dame. That, that's I, honestly my final explanation. I hate Notre Dame. <laughs> I cannot argue with a solid principal pick like that. Um, and like you were saying, that emotional energy, like how much do they, can they just keep refilling the tank every single week? Uh, that's going to be a fun game to watch. I think it's going to be close. Uh, 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. We got San Jose State not a state playing at Boise state. Definitely not a state. Not a state. Um, I had a little fun with the uh, story graphic today with this game. Uh, uh-huh. I hope everyone appreciated that Boise state oh, yeah. nine and a half point home favorites. Uh, potatoes are favored by 62% by the fans. Justin, where are you going with this one? I'm interested to hear this one. Dude, I love that graphic you made, by the way, that graphic is awesome. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check out our Instagram at loyal to Royal pod. Check out our Instagram story. You will find it. Um, I have said multiple times that I think San Jose state's a good team. Multiple times. San Jose state has let me down. I don't like Boise state. Um, I don't hate Boise state, but I don't like them. I think San Jose state is a good team though. Still, despite, I don't know. It's kind of like a toxic X that I keep going back to. (laughs) They're still good. They're still a good person, you know, deep down inside. I just have to change them. I just have to change San Jose State. They will win this football game. That is my opinion. The stinky potatoes are going to be down in the poop-filled dirt underneath the blue grass. Give me San Jose State. I'm also going with San Jose State. Principal pick, I hate Boise State. So there you have it. And also, Boise State is not that good this year. They're not that good. Also, principal pick for me, Boise is definitely not a state. San Jose is in Northern California. I grew up in Southern California. Northern California may as well be another state. But for all I know, San Jose is a state. So I like it. Good reasoning there. Uh, let's go Spartans then. Go Spartans. At 6 p.m. on Saturday on Fox, number 24, Fregno State, Fresno State, sorry, will be traveling to Laramie to take on Wyoming. Freg No Staple is a six and a half point road favorite, and the fans favor Freg No as well at a 68% clip. Jared, what's your read? This is a tough one, man. This is a tough one. This is one of those games where Fresno State, the better team, going to Wyoming. Wyoming is a ground and pound team. 
I think Wyoming comes out with the dub here. I think it's going to be a lot like Ooh. that Texas Tech game. I think they're going to stuff the run. They're going to slow Fresno State's offense down. And they're just going to come out with one of those but ugly wins, uglier than the that one girl in Stevie Wonder before she became a 10-cow wife or whatever the frick the Mormon theology is. Uh, I'm going with Wyoming. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I just got to sing a song on this one. Okay, I like it. You got a fast car. Now I want to take it to anywhere. You might be asking yourself, what does this have to do with anything? I am they got a fast car. I think Jared already knows where this is going. Give me the fighting Derek cars in this one. <laughs> I think te- I think Fregno Staple is going to win this game. I, honestly, I just think Fregno Staple is a legitimately good team. They're good. Wyoming's kind of eh, wishy-washy and principal pick against PP Poo Poo University. Always give me the Bulldogs. I think that's a smart pick. I, I think they're the better team in this situation. I think it's going to depend on that first quarter. Yeah. However the first quarter goes, right? Fresno State scored twice, over. But if it's 0-0 going to the second quarter, I think we got a barn burner on our hands. Barn burner. Uh, we move into the second best rivalry of the weekend. Who knows if it's really a rivalry, but it's a fun game to say. It's the Butt Bowl. BU and TT going at it. In Waco at Baylor, Texas Tech at Baylor, 6 p.m. ESPN2. This game is a pick em right now. Who knows what it will close at, but it is a it is a straight pick em. Um, Texas Tech is the fans' favorite, the latter half, the right cheek, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. They are uh, 53% favorites by the fans. Justin, who are you going with in the butt bowl? Something dangerous happened, Jared. Oh, no. Oh, no. Baylor was given hope on Saturday. <laughs> they had a chance to be an absolute dumpster fire, abysmal, given up team. They are now hopeful after beating UCF. It is time that the left cheek become the predominant one. Give me Baylor in this one. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about either team, though. I think the left cheek will win this game. Uh, I just have to, this is 100% principal thing. Nothing to do with football. Exactly how we like to do it here. I have to go with the right cheek now Mm. because on our little graphic that we have in front of us, our little table, it must spell, but but now respectable, respectable. I am obligated to go with TT and the right cheek. I think both (laughs) of these teams are trash though. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely a booty bowl. Oh, the yes. booty butt bowl. I think that's what we can call it this year, right? The booty butt bowl. Yeah, the booty butt bowl. The booty the bleh, booty butt bowl. Booty butt bowl. Finishing up our tipsy 10, 10 a.m. on ABC on Saturday. You have the Red River rivalry. Yes. Um, not the Red shootout. River shootout. Shootout. <clears throat> Don't cancel. Canceled. Uh, Texas is a six and a half point favorite in this one. This game will be played in Arlington at AT and T Stadium. Texas is an 82% favorite, according to the fans. Jared, who do you got? I'm going with Texas. Mm. I got a couple of things going into this decision. One, I haven't been super impressed with Oklahoma. They've done kind of what they do every year, right? They beat the crap out of bad teams. And then against teams that are like, maybe good, question mark, they kind of play down to the level of their opponent. Um, And so I think it's going to end up like one of those years where they just go lose to Texas because that's what they do. Um, and secondly, Texas, optimal situation for BYU. 
is that Texas is undefeated, top two or three in the country, and asleep at the wheel when BYU goes into Austin. And in mm-hmm. order for that to happen, we need Texas to win this game. Principal pick going with the Longhorns. Dude, perfect. Absolutely perfect pick. Um, <laughs> B- yep. They got to be sleeping at the wheel when BYU comes to Austin. Um, yeah, I think this is a pretty clear cut one. I think Texas is going to win this football game. I don't think it's going to be. Um, I think Texas will probably win this game by probably 10 points, two scores. Oklahoma just doesn't have the offensive firepower to keep up. Only put up 20 points versus Cincinnati. Texas, I think, is going to um, assert its will in this game, if you will. Oh, I see what you did there. No, I I find myself with this game, I find myself hoping that Oklahoma can keep it close, which is yeah. – it, it's not one of those positions that you really want to be in. Um, I think interesting note here is that Texas is three-and-a-half-point favorites in the first half. I think that's pretty – pretty accurate yeah but overall i'm slamming texas minus six and a half right like i would move the slider you know um i would move it all the way up to texas minus 11 and a half 13 and a half i think they're going to win by at least two scores um but i do think it's going to be a slow first half because that's kind of what texas does these days i got a counterpoint to your texas asleep at the wheel one. Ooh, okay Oklahoma beats Texas. Okay. Texas kind of pulls a Texas and falls off a little bit. Okay. We beat Texas in Austin and Oklahoma at home, and both of them are top 15 victories. Oh, okay. Maybe. I don't know. Like That's not as likely. I think we're probably more likely to catch Texas asleep at the wheel. I think the most likely is whatever situation fits what happens this weekend. And then that's what we roll with. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> totally fair. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's a great idea, Jared. It's called shaping the narrative. Exactly. That's what ESPN does all the time. That's how the SEC gets ranked. Um, a couple more things just to make sure that this podcast gets pushed out to people other than our listeners. Um, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, mm. Travis Kelsey, uh, college football playoff, NCAA corrupt, college football playoff, college football play- playoff. Uh, Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders, Deion, Deion yeah. Sanders, Colorado, yeah. Colorado, Travis Hunter, Travis Hunter, Deion Sanders, uh-huh. primetime. Georgia Bulldogs, um, overrated, mm. overrated, overrated. Uh, um, SEC, SEC, SEC. SEC, uh, Travis, uh, Travis Kelsey, Taylor, uh, Swift again, um, uh, what's what's the uh, political thing that happened today that everybody was saying Ed O'Dron should take over? Speaker of the House, something? Yeah, Speaker of the House, Speaker of the House, Speaker of the House, Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Ed O'Dron, Speaker of the House. We're just feeding the algorithm here, listeners. This is this is what you do. The 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 algorithm just picks it up and runs with it when you say keywords. Exactly. There's one thing I want to discuss before we head out today, Jared. Yes, and that's how beautiful it is. That even though BYU has lost game, lost a game in September, our season is not over. <laughs> in years past, you lose a game in September. The rest of the season, you're just playing to play, right? Whereas here, we can check Big 12 standings every single week. We can check it. Are we moving up? Are we moving down? Are we fighting for Big 12 contention? Are we not fighting for Big 12 contention? We get to see that every single week now. I absolutely love it. Happy to be in the Big 12. And get this. 
BYU is where in the Big 12 standings? That's right. We are fifth. We are fifth in the Big 12. Hang a banner. Stop the count. Hang a banner. (laughs) Unless we go up. Stop the count unless we go up. Yes. And guess what? We play three of the teams, three of the four teams ahead of us. So we could move all the way up. We could move all the way up. We control our own destiny. That is something BYU has never, ever said, is that we control our own destiny. It is October, mm-hmm. and we have a chance to play for a national championship. Like, if we go undefeated from here on out, <laughs> win the Big 12 championship, they have to at least put us in the conversation. They got to consider us. They got to consider us. No, at, like legit, though, BYU, they, we control our own destiny. That is, like you said, that's not something that we've been able to say Probably ever, honestly. No, I, we could theoretically beat Texas and Oklahoma. One of those would have two conference losses, and the other would have one, and we would hold a tiebreaker over them, I think. Right? So, I, it's possible. This is not... all theoretical. This isn't <laughs> going to happen. But as Completely. long as we fade ourselves, maybe it might. Yep. Fade ourselves, stick with the principles. Um, yeah. We have the second best record overall in the Big 12 as well. So, we're playing very well. Let's let's hope we keep it up. Let's beat the bye week. Uh, yeah, and let's just have an awesome weekend of college football. It's great when your team has a bye or when your team wins on Friday night or Thursday night, right? Because then you could just go into the weekend, just watch football and not have to worry about a single thing. And that's exactly what I'm going to do this weekend. And you know how you can accomplish that in the most efficient way possible? By checking out Jared's weekend watch guides that you will find on our website, royalstrongandtrue.com can't find the website that way because you forgot how to type that's okay go to our instagram and twitter at loyal to royal pod make sure you're following us and click the link in our bio which will take you to a link tree that will then take you to the website the weekend watch guide will tell you what football games to watch where to watch them when to watch them the relevance they have to byu and to college football at large it is a beautiful tool handcrafted by Mr. Call himself. Make sure you check it out. Download it, print it off, put it on your fridge. It will be awesome. I testify the words of my companion. This weekend watch guide has affected my life in such unique and memorable ways that my family will never be the same. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. And you can print it or use it on your phone or on your on your laptop. It's all of the modes. It is there. So on your uh, surface, on your Chromebook on True. your pager on your blackberry oh yes the blackberry can't forget about that i'll have to click that button to make it available on blackberry this week forgot <laughs> that one last week uh but yeah anyway um parting thoughts go buckeyes gotta beat them gotta beat the terps a little worried this week um maryland's got a good offense we do not have a good offense yet uh so yeah let's just keep discovering ourselves come out hot heck yeah man go Cougs. that's the only thought i have um oh uh one thing i will say super quick before we move on i posted a poll about the ap poll and one of the people that says that byu should be ranked is a byu football player that i will not name okay but uh let us listen to him because he knows he didn't just like click yes on a vote like he straight up typed in byu tbh so (laughs) shout out to this gentleman Shout out, gentlemen. Shout out. You know who you are. Yeah. All right. All right. That's it, right? Yep. Let's get out of here. I already kind of did the outro already, so I think this is kind of it, guys. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Love you. Bye. Goodbye now. (laughs) 